Amen. You may be seated. Brenda James, and she's going to share how she, Jesus, this Jesus, the Messiah, has changed her life forever, and she's going to be baptized. I'm wearing a shirt, and uh, Brenda has a shirt, Pastor Jason wearing it, it says, I've decided to follow Jesus, and that's really what baptism is all about. We're, we're, we're studying about John the Baptist this morning, uh, and he baptized Jesus, and we're following Jesus as for those of you who are visiting with us this morning, baptism here has a significance. It's a sign of our, our desire to be obedient and follow, follow Jesus. It's a, it's a symbol that we've identified with him as our savior. Uh, it's sort of like I'm wearing this wedding band to symbolize that I've identified with Susan as my wife. And baptism is telling the world that we've identified with Jesus as our savior. We're also identifying with the, the gospel. The baptism is a great picture of the death, the burial, all right, going down into the water, death and burial of Jesus, and coming up out is the resurrection. We're identifying with the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's the gospel. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting with us and not sure about that, but the, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And that's what we put our trust in for eternal life, and that's what Brenda has. She's going to share that in a moment. Baptism also is a, is a symbol of what's happened to us spiritually. The moment we trust Jesus as our Savior, that old person we were is dead and buried, and we're raised to newness of life, as it says in Romans chapter 6. So it's a, a very bu beautiful picture of what God has done for us. So we're going to uh, show a video. Uh, Brenda is going to share her testimony and she, you're going to hear how God has changed her life. My name is Brenda James. I became a Christian from childhood, but not the type of Christian that I am now. I love the Lord. Um, I had a lot of bad things happen to me last year, so I was lost and hurt, and I just, for some reason, asked Annie to go to church. My cousin Annie is a member of the church that I could go to church with her. I had been there at the 9 o'clock service on and off for a while. And that day was in July of 2021. I don't remember exactly what Pastor Jason said, but what he said stayed with me that entire day. And when I went to go to sleep that night, I got on my knees and I asked the Lord to come into my to forgive me for all my sins and to be with me from now on. 
and in pain. Uh, I was more at peace. I love the Lord. I, I am an avid reader, so I'm reading everything I can to become a mature Christian. I just now have a church family, and I love them. They have welcomed me in to this church, and I love them. Thank you for listening. Brenda? <laughs> Say hi, Brenda. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Brenda, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Yes. Do you desire to be obedient and follow the Lord in the waters of baptism? Yes. So based upon your profession of faith and your desire to be obedient, follow the Lord in baptism. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that you are amazing. God, and with all authority that was given to you, you spoke it all into existence. God, every star, every galaxy, God, every hair on our head. God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord Jesus, how we thank you. For your grace and your mercy, God, I ask you be with our church, God, be with us as we are your servants, as we go into the community, God, as we share the gospel. Lord Jesus, be with Mark as he brings forth your word for this time, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. For your son's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Right, so that was okay for a nice, cold, crisp morning. You guys were sledding yesterday in the snow? No, you couldn't sled in that stuff. Just a couple quick announcements before Mark comes and shares some God's word. Uh, Dave and Tracy, stand up, please. Dave and Tracy, please stand up. They are going to be grandparents. So uh, Rebecca and Ian were here last week, and I forgot to mention it. It would have been a perfect day, but it's a baby girl. So uh, congratulations, guys. That is so, so cool. Uh, this week starts our Faithbound League. Starts Tuesday night, Tuesday and Thursday. So if you're looking for something to do to come out and just uh, play some, uh, watch some basketball, connect with our community, Tuesday starts at 7, Thursday starts at 7. So it's all, again, we're always looking forward to these guys coming out and playing. And so looking forward to that. Um, for those that didn't know, uh, uh, Dorothy Bowser, a long time friend and member here passed away this week and so I will keep everyone informed on when the services will be will be App appreciate everyone who came out yesterday to help um, just clean out her house and uh, get things ready for sale and so that was a uh, thank you for all who came out to help with that um, and as we continue to think about our country and think about our world we want to do just want to take some time in this morning for a few moments and just pray for the Ukraine Again, um, as we continue to do so, uh, this morning as I came to church, I believe 100 more individuals were killed in a rocket blast uh, this morning. And so one thing that's really interesting uh, about watching this unfold is the church continues. I don't know if you've watched and seen things where this morning, I guarantee you'll go home and you'll see a group of Christians in the church just worshiping just like we did. Like, nothing else is going on. Hey, listen, we're worshiping Jesus. We don't care what's falling around us. And what an example and a testimony that is for us here in the West, that the brothers and sisters in Christ are continuing to praise God and know that he will protect them. But not only pray for those in the Ukraine, but also our dear friends that are in Russia. Our, our missionary, the Bronze, had to come home uh, this past week, and they're home safe here, actually, in Pennsylvania. And so, again, they had to get out. So we need to pray for just not the Ukraine, but pray for the Russians as well that are over there who are going through these things. So why don't we just take some time before Mark comes. Let's just, just go to the Lord in prayer and pray for our, this, this, the, those dear people there. Father, uh, you tell us in your word that there's going to be wars and rumors and wars. This is no surprise to us. We've been seeing this uh, since the sin 
since sin came into the world through our first parents, we knew that there was going to be death and murder and sin and wars and, and all these things happening among us. And we are... We watch the news and we wonder what's going to happen next, but your word tells us when these things happen, Father, we should look to the sky, knowing that it could be today that you come and you claim your church. Don't know if that's going to be the case, but Lord, we get excited because we know that prophecy may be unfolding in front of us, and we look to the skies for your return. But until then, Lord, we pray for our dear brothers and sisters that are over in the Ukraine. We pray for them as as rockets are just being uh, shot into, the, into neighborhoods and people being killed. We pray, Father, for their protection. We pray, for that, Father, you would stop uh, this madman from doing these things, Father, to this country. We pray for our dear friends in Russia as well, that you would protect them. And God, may you be honored and glorified through all these things. That's such a, a, a bizarre thing to say, but Father, you um, have a plan for this, and we trust that plan. We just pray that you'd be honored and glorified. May we see people come to you through these things, that people come to know you as Savior. So God, and direct them to do your will in this world, in our country, in your precious name. Amen. So this morning we're going into our third series, our third message in this series of John the Baptist. And I asked uh, uh, Mark, and Mark was uh, hired last week, voted on last week, uh, overwhelmingly unanimous, um, over, um, uh, overwhelmingly majority, um, that he was be our family life director. And so we thought that we would ask him and to come and, and, and share from God's word and jump right in here into our third session of John the Baptist. And so he did a great job our first, at 9 o'clock service. While we give him a warm welcome and welcome Mark to the, the podium. All right, thanks. All right, good morning. As Pastor Jason said, we will be continuing our uh, study here, our series called Faceless, a character study of John the Baptist. Uh, so let me recap for you briefly what we've covered over the, the first two weeks. Yeah, you see, the first week we looked at how Jesus, or sorry, how John was the forerunner of Jesus. Okay, he was prophesied to come and pave the way for Jesus, the Messiah. And we took a closer look at his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, to get a better understanding of maybe where John was coming from. And we saw that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they loved the Lord. They were righteous. They followed all of the commandments. But they had a time of impossibility in their life. They were older in age. They were unable to have children. And we looked at how we're, we are going to have times of impossibility in our lives as well. You're going to, at some point, have that wall in front of you where you cannot see a way past. How am I going to get by this? And our response needs to be the same way Zechariah and Elizabeth did, which is through prayer. They took their time of impossibility to God. So we learn to pray, and then we learn that when God answers prayer to praise the provider, to give him the credit that he's due. You see, Zechariah didn't believe what God had told him, so God made him unable to speak for nine months. I pray that we would have more faith than Zechariah did, but when, he, when God does answer us, we need to give him the praise and the credit that he deserves, praise the provider. Well, last week we looked at how John was always pointing people back to Jesus. Uh, that was his role. That was God's purpose for him. And we, we briefly looked at Zechariah again, his father, one more time, because we were challenged with the adoration that Zechariah gave towards God. 
And how often do we give God adoration throughout our day? What percentage of our prayers are we giving adoration and praise towards God? I highly encourage you when you spend time in prayer, before you get to any kind of request for yourself or for someone else, you should be praising God and giving him the adoration he deserves, both in the good times and the bad. We are then challenged to assess our attitudes. You see, Jesus gave John a compliment, and John the Baptist was human, just like we are. That compliment could have got to his head. That could have puffed him up. He could have felt really good about himself, but he didn't. He stayed humble, and he continued to serve God in the capacity that God wanted him to serve. He obeyed God. He lived according to his will. And then we were challenged to advance the gospel. Okay, advance the gospel. Um, this is our assignment. All followers of Jesus are to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's one of the main reasons we're here on earth still. We are to be mouthpieces for God, proclaiming his good news and what he's done for us to those around us. We are to reach the people in our circles of influence. God has us each in a certain area for a reason, so advance the gospel. Well, that brings us to our message this morning, which is called Jesus is not who they wanted. Jesus is not who they wanted. You see, we're going to look at how there were expectations for the Messiah. And John and the Pharisees and the Jews, they, they were picking and choosing what they wanted out of the Messiah. Right? Maybe we can be challenged with this message as well. And we're going to also take a look at John's character and see what we can learn from the way that John the Baptist himself lived his life. Well, we're jumping in the book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, if you want to turn with me there. Okay, and as we jump to Matthew, we want to know who this author is. We've been jumping around the different Gospels. So we're entering a new book this morning. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector, and if you don't know, tax collectors weren't well-liked. He was a Jewish tax collector who left everything he had to follow Jesus. He left everything behind. He had a wealthy job. Okay? He had money. He gave it all behind to follow this Jesus of Nazareth. And now here is a Jewish man who is writing to his fellow Jews, explaining to them the questions that they have about, is this Jesus of Nazareth really the Messiah? They have questions. This is his account of who Jesus was, and he spent a lot of time with Jesus. So as we go through this text, or as you read through Matthew, keep that in mind. Matthew's going to write things and mention certain things because he's pointing to Jesus being the Messiah. Well, look at me at verse 1, and we're going to break down the text this morning. We'll just go through it. Matthew starts by saying, When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. See, Jesus just spent the whole chapter before this in chapter 10 giving specific instructions to his disciples. He was giving them a mission. He explained to them. He was very upfront with them and told them what it was going to be like. It wasn't going to be very pleasant for them. And he sent them off to preach the kingdom of God to the Jews in the region of Galilee. And we can see from the text here that Jesus separates from his disciples for a short time. He sends them on a mission, and Jesus is going to continue where he is to teach and to preach. So I, I created an outline for the portion of Scripture that we're looking through, verses 1 through 14, and this is my first point. This is what's called John's question. We're going to see this in verses 2 through 3. John the Baptist has a question for Jesus 
that we'll be looking at this morning. So in verse 2 it says, Now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? So as I look at this passage, the first question that I would ask is this. What happened to John? (laughs) Okay, why is John in prison? Because you see, if you follow Matthew's account, he briefly mentions in chapter 4 that John's in prison, but he doesn't tell us why. And he doesn't tell us why until chapter 14. So maybe write a note down in your, in your notes, Matthew 14. You can read through the context to see exactly what happened. But I'll summarize it for you. See, Herod Antipas is the governor over uh, Galilee, where Jesus is. He's the ruler there. Okay, Herod takes a trip to Rome, where he meets his brother Philip's wife. He likes her. He desires her. He wants to make her his own. So what does a man of power do? Okay? He makes it happen. When he returns home back to Galilee, he divorces his wife, and he marries Herodias. Now, see, John the Baptist, being the kind of fiery spirit of a man that John was, wasn't going to just let this slide. He publicly goes and he, he rebukes Herod and says, this is not right. This is sinful. He says to him, it is not lawful for you to take your brother's wife. Okay? Are you surprised that John ended up in prison? No. (laughs) Okay? Actually, Herodias is furious. The wife's upset. (laughs) Okay? Herodias is is steaming mad here. Okay? She wants him dead. But see, Herod wouldn't kill John because Herod feared the people. And Herod also says that he thought John was a righteous man. He enjoyed listening to John the Baptist. This, he had interesting messages that he was talking about. This wild man from the wilderness. It was intriguing to him. So here John is in prison. He was placed in a prison in Machairus. You can see on the map here. Machairus was about 10 miles east of the Dead Sea. A fortress built by his father Herod the Great. So this is going to help us understand the text. When it says that John heard about the works of Christ. Okay, you see, as you, as you compile the different evidences throughout the Gospels, we can make a timeline and discover that John the Baptist at this point has been in prison for a year, maybe almost up to two years he's been in prison. Okay, so he hasn't had the opportunity to witness Jesus' ministry. He hasn't been able to observe his miracles. He hasn't been able to hear his teachings and his parables. He hasn't got to hear his rebuttals against the Pharisees because he's sitting in prison, probably not much more than a hole in the ground. So John's got a lot of time to think. He's thinking about how how are things playing out. Here I am sitting in prison, right? Remember Pastor Jason talked about he most likely studied with the Essenes in the wilderness. He knew the Old Testament. He's got some things running through his mind, so he has a question that he wants to ask Jesus. So he sends his disciples about 100 miles north to ask Jesus. Jesus a question. So here was the question. Are you the expected one, or should we expect someone else? Basically, his question is, are you the Messiah? That's what he's asking Jesus. Now, let's not be quick to condemn John here. All right? His, his question's not that unreasonable. Uh, his doubts that he's having. See, there were a lot of expectations for the Messiah, and John sitting in prison is probably not one of them, is it? Here's the cousin of Jesus himself, and he's been locked away. 
So John has to ask Jesus a question. He's wondering, are you really the Messiah? So to take a better understanding of maybe where John's coming from, we're going to go back to chapter 3 and look at verses 11 through 12 quick. This is something that John said while he was preparing the way for the Lord before he was imprisoned. He said, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his weed into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You see, John is saying, listen, the guy that's coming after me, he's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, and he's coming in judgment. You see this winnowing fork that John mentions. This is a tool similar today that would look like a pitchfork. Okay? And what the farmers would do with the winnowing fork is they would toss the wheat and the grain up into the air, and the heavier wheat and grain would fall back down to the ground, and the chaff would blow away. They would then be able to take the wheat and store it in the barns or use it, but the chaff would be burned up because it was useless useless it wasn't useful for anything you see this is a picture it's an illustration of the judgment that's to come where God will separate the people who are his who are faithful to him and he will burn up the rest with an eternal fire so John's expecting the Messiah to come in judgment and he's not wrong Jesus is coming in judgment this just wasn't time see Revelation chapter 19 tells us that Jesus is coming back a second time riding on a white horse with a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, which is the very word of God. And he will rule with a rod of iron, and he will release the fierce wrath of God on all who oppose him. Judgment day is coming. Jesus is coming in judgment, but that is still to come. You see, that wasn't the purpose for Jesus coming the first time. There was a different plan that God had written out. Remember John three seventeen. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He had to come the first time to save the world. He wasn't coming in judgment. He came to seek and save the lost. So John's not completely wrong, but he's a little off on God's timeline of things. John wasn't the only one that was wrong, though. You see, Jesus was also not who the Pharisees wanted him to be. You see, Isaiah wrote a bunch of prophecies 700 years ago, 700 years prior to this. And they were hoping for this Messiah who was coming to bring hope and deliverance for them. And they were expecting a Redeemer that looked much different than this Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah. Okay, see what they wanted? They wanted a temporal salvation. They wanted an earthly kingdom right now. John the Baptist started preaching about repentance of sin and faith and baptism. They weren't interested in that. They wanted destruction of their enemies, and they wanted an earthly kingdom right now full of peace and prosperity and justice. And Jesus wasn't giving them that. Jesus didn't take any action against the Romans. He didn't even speak bad about them. This is not who they wanted. And you see, Jesus was not who the Jews wanted either, the people. Yes, in a similar fashion, they wanted to be free from the oppression of Rome. But see, they were looking forward to the Messiah who would end all suffering. The Messiah who would take away hunger and pain and diseases. He would would make life better for them. They're picturing a, a welfare state that's going to be set up. 
where this Messiah provides for all their needs. They're going to have health and happiness and instant, um, yeah, instant happiness, health and wealth. Okay? And Jesus, see, when Jesus fed the multitude, when he fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children, it says that he, they were, the Jews were ready to forcibly make him king at that time. They were going to crown him king because he was meeting their expectations. Jesus had to withdraw so that didn't happen because, again, that didn't fit the timeline. Okay? But that's who they wanted. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who do you want Jesus to be? Because, you see, they're picking and choosing out of all the promises about this Messiah who they want him to be. Yes, they want all of the good things that were spoken about him. Right? They want the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. They want him to remove them from their bondage that they're under and replace it with blessings instead. But see, they forgot about or they neglected that God was going to have to humble himself and come down to the earth to serve. God was going to humble himself to be the perfect sacrifice. They forget that he had to be despised and rejected. Wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Why? Because he had to bring an end to sin, the Bible tells us. He had to come the first time as the sacrificial lamb. John the Baptist himself said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that brings me to my first point of focus this morning. Trust in the Jesus of the Bible. That was the best way I, I could kind of think to phrase it. Trust in the Jesus of the Bible. You see, people are still doing the same things today where they want to pick and choose what they want to believe out of the Bible. They want to pick and choose what they believe about God. Pastors will stand up on a stage and tell them what they want to hear. Why are they doing this? Because it allows them to live their lives in a certain way. It suits their pleasures and their desires. But we don't get to pick and choose what we want out of God. See, if you're going to do that, if you're going to pick and choose, then you're not following the God of the Bible. And I'll tell you that without following the Jesus that we find in the Bible, you have nothing. You cannot have forgiveness of sins, and you cannot be reconciled to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One person, the Jesus in the Bible, the whole package, everything that he said. But people have a hard time grasping that. Wow, he's really the only way. There's not other ways. There's not more ways than one. Maybe they disagree with how God's running things. Maybe they disagree with what they see in the world. Well, God can't really be loving if he allows so much suffering and hurt. Look at what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia right now. How can a loving God allow that to happen? So God doesn't fit what they think he should look like. He's not fitting their expectations. But here's something I want you to get this morning. God, or sorry, the world does not know God or understand his nature and plans. That's something we really should understand. God, or the, sorry, the world does not know God or understand his nature and plans. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14 with me. It says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. They need to be spiritually evaluated. And I'll tell you, even with a spiritual mindset, there's going to be a lot of things about God and things that he does that we're not going to understand. 
when I read this verse, Isaiah chapter 55, 8 and 9 came to my mind. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, in this passage, God is inviting people to come to him. He's addressing sinners here, and he's telling them that I will have compassion on anyone who will turn towards me. Why? Why does he do that? Does that always make sense? No, but his ways are different than our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. See, God's perspective is not necessarily the perspective that we're going to have. See, John might not understand why he's sitting in prison for one to two years, but God surely knew why he was there, and that was part of his plan. The Jews would not believe in Jesus when he was plainly telling them who he was. The Pharisees kept asking Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus was telling them, it's here. It's in your midst. It's right here. And in their ignorance and in their unbelief, because they were expecting someone else, they missed it. They missed it when he was right in front of them. What have you done with the truth about Jesus? Because I hope you're not missing it because you have a different expectation. Everything that's written in the Bible about Jesus is true. And he is who we really need. He's the answer to our biggest problem in life, our sin problem that keeps us separated from God. So trust in the Jesus of the Bible. The second part of my outline is going to be called Jesus' answer. We're going to see this in verses 4 through 6. Jesus responds to John's answer, or to his question. Look at me at verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So Jesus says, Go and report to John what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And we've got to take a look at Luke's account for a moment to get a more complete picture of what just happened here. Because Luke records in his gospel, chapter 7, verse 21, that at that very time, Jesus did those things. So John has a question for Jesus, and how does Jesus answer? He puts on a display of miracles for his disciples. And he says, you go back and tell John what you just saw and what you just heard. Okay, John was going to get this picture. See, the works that Jesus was doing, the healings, the casting out of evil spirits, the proclaiming of good news were all expectations of the Messiah. John would be able to figure out what Jesus was saying here. Yet his works validated who he was. John would probably be able to figure out, well, judgment must be coming later, but this is indeed the Messiah. See, Jesus gives him a preview of what the coming kingdom is going to look like. And in this message is a, is a package. Jesus tells the people, he tells John here, listen, I care about people. I heal people. I have the power to do all things. Judgment will come later. Right now is a time of good news and peace and grace. Okay, That's why Jesus uh, was here. So they take this message back to John. It's just interesting to know that you know, Jesus doesn't go bail John out of prison. He's there for some reason. 
okay? Next point in our outline is going to be called Jesus' Explanation, verses 7 through 14. In verse 7 it says, As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. You see, there was a whole crowd, a whole multitude of people there that were listening to this whole Q&A that took place. And they saw the miracles. And maybe they have doubts about John now. John's doubting Jesus. Maybe they don't know whether Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe they're unclear on what uh, Jesus' answer exactly meant. So Jesus feels the need to explain a little bit more to the crowd. And he's actually going to give us some information about John the Baptist here. You see, this series has been called Faceless for a very good reason. John the Baptist has been in the background because it's not about him. He's always pointing people towards Jesus, pointing people towards Jesus. Well, Jesus is going to give us some information about John the Baptist on what he was like in his character. So let's pay attention here when Jesus actually chooses to highlight who this man, John the Baptist, is. But Jesus is going to ask three questions. First question, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind, Jesus asks. Okay, This is a picture that the people in that region of the world would have been able to clearly understand. See, reeds grew, especially along the Jordan River, up to 12 feet tall. That's a pretty tall plant. Okay, What happens to a reed when it gets windy? It's going to blow, it's going to sway, it's going to move. So Jesus is asking here, is this a picture of John? Is John easily swayed? Is he weak? Is that a picture of John? No, it's not. John's not a weak man. Okay, Here's a man that lives in the wilderness. He makes his own clothes. He eats off the land. He marched up to the governor all right, and told him about his sin. This is not a weak man. Okay, John wasn't intimidated by anyone. Second question, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Because those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. Was John a man that wore soft clothing? No. He wore camel skin, which is very coarse, and I imagine it's very itchy. Okay, I'm not planning on going to get a camel shirt anytime soon. Okay? All right? People who wore soft clothing, they lived in luxury. They lived in king's palaces, Jesus says. Or, at the time, people would change out of their work clothes into soft clothing to impress people of importance. This was not John the Baptist. He didn't care about impressing people. He didn't care about getting others' approvals. He didn't care about the comforts of this world. You know, he wasn't a very popular preacher. He was fascinating to listen to, but he didn't have this huge following. He was focused on what God had set before him, God's purpose for his life. And he was denying himself to live out the will of God. So this brings me to my second point of focus this morning. We need to follow John's example and we need to live for God and deny self. Live for God and deny self. You see, every morning that you wake up, you have a choice to make. Every single morning. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live for self? You make that every morning, whether you're conscious about it or not. Okay? Jesus taught his disciples the spiritual discipline of self-denial. Remember, Jesus taught that anyone that follows after him must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. They knew about this. 
And self-denial is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. What are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You notice how you're not in there anywhere? Okay, the whole law is summed up about God and other people. Okay, so let's learn from John's character this morning. He was a man who denied himself to live for the reasons that God wanted him to live, for his purpose. We should be striving to do the same. So then we have to ask ourselves this question. What does living for God and denying self look like? You see, as people, we like to compare ourselves to others. We like to judge ourselves, and we'll often look at people uh, that are worse than us worse than us in a certain area because it makes us feel good. How do I know this? Because <laughs> I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I like to judge, and okay, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, when it comes to this area of denial, or maybe sacrificing certain things for the Lord, we've got our little things over here that we feel good about. Yeah, I say no, and I give up. But then we have a whole bunch of things over here that we don't really want to think about because then we might have to address them and I might have to give that up. I'm just going to leave those over here and we don't want to fully surrender everything to God. As I was studying for this message, I read a blog by a pastor by, by the name of Ed Taylor and he listed 13 so-called rights that people think they have. So-called rights but as Christians, as a follower of Jesus, we really need to be giving these up or at least willing to. We need to be denying ourselves. So I'm going to put this list up on the screen for you. Maybe take a picture of it with your phone so you have the whole thing. But here's my challenge for you. As I read through these, think about the one or two things that hit your mind right away. Ah, I'm going to have a hard time with that. Okay, these are the things we want to start praying about and thinking about. Okay, so here's a list of biblical ways that we should be denying ourselves. As a Christian, you need to deny the right to take revenge. You need to deny the right to always have a comfortable and secure home. You need to deny the right to a good reputation. You need to deny the right to spend money however you please. You need to deny the right to hate an enemy. You need to deny the right to understand God's plan before you obey him. You need to deny the right to be honored and served. You need to deny the right to live by your own rules. You need to deny the right to hold a grudge. You need to deny the right to complain. You need to deny the right to put yourself first. You need to deny the right to express your sexuality freely. And you need to deny the right to rebel against authority. I went through each one of these. Go ahead and check them. Those verses are taken in context. These are things as followers of Christ uh, we need to think about. And this isn't my list. This isn't Pastor Taylor's list. This is God's list. This is found in his word. And I challenge you to think about the things that you struggle with and start praying about them. Because here's the thing. We don't want to be a people that are picking and choosing how we want to live our life. We don't want to be a people that are picking and choosing which ones we'll deny and which ones we're going to hang on to. Okay? As followers of Jesus, let's live for God and deny self. Well, let's get back to the passage. We'll look at Jesus' third question that he asks. Okay, the first two he asks were negative. He says, no, this isn't John the Baptist. This one's going to be a yes. 
In verse 9, he says, But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus answers yes to this question. John was a prophet. You see, prophets played a big role in the history of Israel. This is how God spoke to his people, how how he got the information to them that he wanted them to know. The very first prophet was Moses. And there were prophets in Israel from Moses all the way through the Babylonian captivity until Malachi. Malachi was the last prophet. And just like Pastor Jason has mentioned, there was 400 years of silence since Malachi. God didn't speak to his people. He didn't reveal anything new. But you see, that was until John the Baptist came. John the Baptist was prophesied about, and he came, and he was a prophet. Well, why does Jesus say that John's the best? Why does Jesus say he's more than a prophet? Why does Jesus say that he was the greatest born of all women? This is something fascinating that I was able to discover uh, researching and studying this passage. You see, John was a prophet, okay? And the prophets in the Old Testament were always prophesying and pointing towards the future, saying, hey, the forerunner's coming and the Messiah's coming. Well, so when John arrives on the scene, he's not just a prophet, but he's also fulfilled prophecy. They said he was coming. And it gets better than that, because not only is John a prophet and and fulfilled prophecy, But all of those prophets were pointing to Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And John got to say, he's here. The Messiah is here among us. And it gets even better than that for John. Because John got to minister to Jesus with his own hands, the Messiah. He got to baptize the very Son of God, something that no prophet before or ever again will will be able to do. Like, how cool is that? What a great ministry. But then Jesus clarifies here. And he says, let's keep things in perspective, because the least in the greatest of heaven will be greater than John. So what is Jesus trying to get across here? Okay, you see, from an earthly perspective, uh, uh, from an earthly perspective, John's calling and what God wanted him to do was was pretty amazing. And John lived a life of self-denial because he was walking in the will of God. He was paving the way for the Messiah. But you see, the privileges in heaven are going to far outweigh anything we could attain in this life, even what John the Baptist got to do. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Look with me at, at, at verse 12 as we finish this up. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, John himself, is Elijah who was to come. See, the prophets were pointing towards John and pointing towards Jesus, and they came. So the time for prophecies was really over. John's on the scene now preaching about repentance and baptism. And since he started doing that, people were trying to enter the kingdom by force, by their own means. Remember the people wanting to forcibly make Jesus king. They wanted to do it their way instead of God's way. 
And we see here that prophecy was fulfilled, and Jesus was saying, just like Malachi prophesied, that Elijah would come again, here he is, John the Baptist. And see, John isn't Elijah. John wasn't Elijah come back from the dead, reincarnated a second time. John was his own person. But you see, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He looked like Elijah. He lived like Elijah. He spoke the truth in the face of opposition, just like Elijah did. And he was the promised forerunner to the Messiah. Well, as we wrap it up, my fourth point in my outline is Jesus' final emphasis in verse 15. Okay, just one verse here. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This was something special, Jesus said. He liked to say this often. He said this exactly 11 times in Scripture it's recorded. Jesus would say this after he said something of importance, something he wanted you to know and think about. And if you didn't have an understanding about it, you needed to look into it deeper. You needed to think about it more. You needed to try to understand it. Don't just let it go over your head without understanding So this leads me to my final point. Seek Jesus with all of your heart. Seek Jesus with all of your heart. You see, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you serve a God who loves you. You serve a God who gave up his very best for you so that you could have forgiveness of sins, so that you could have newness of life, so that you could have a relationship with God himself. So don't stiff-arm God. Don't keep him at a distance because you think your plans are better than his plans. Your ways are better. God doesn't necessarily understand you and what you're going through. You have a better idea of things. Don't do that. Submit to God. Follow his will for your life. Trust in him. Obey him. Make that decision every morning to live for God and deny self. And if you're here this morning and you've never placed your trust in this Jesus of the Bible that I've been talking about, Please don't continue to ignore it. Judgment is coming, just like John the Baptist said. You see, Jesus was prophesied about. They said for thousands of years that Jesus was coming, and he came, and he died on the cross to take away the sins of the world. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus. Okay? If you're unsure of what I've been talking about, please talk to one of the pastors that are here or the person that invited you because we would love to talk to you more. We would miss lunch to explain these truths to you. Okay? If you have ears to hear, listen and dig deeper. Seek for him with all your heart. God promises in his word that if you want to find him, he says, seek for him with all of your heart and he will reveal himself to you. And I would encourage you to just read the Bible for yourself. Just read it through, and then read it a second time, and then read it a third time. And you'll discover as you read through the pages of God's word that Jesus is absolutely faithful and trustworthy, and he will never let you down. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear this morning. Let's pray. Father, forgive forgive us for the times when we want something else or something different than you. God, you are the one that we love and we want. You are all-powerful, you're all-wise, you're sovereign, you're in control of all things. Uh, Lord, we want to live our lives for you. And help us this week, Lord, to make that choice to live for you and deny self. It's not always easy, um, but Lord, it's necessary. And uh, 
And there's nothing less we should do in response to what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. That was a great message. Great message. Thank you, Brother. He who has ears, let him hear. We've heard it, and then we can go out and proclaim it. Just like we heard this morning from Brenda and her, her testimony about what Jesus has done in her life. Uh, along with that, we believe that people, as they, they get saved, they come to know Jesus. God commands them to be baptized. He asks them to do that. And then he asks them to be part of a local church, which we call church membership. We believe that's very biblical here. And we have several individuals uh, who have decided to uh, become members of Faith Bible Church. Uh, they've uh, been in our ministry for a while. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior at some point in their life. They've uh, been baptized and they've gone through a membership class here, and uh, they decide they want to be part of this fellowship and serve and use their gifts. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants to use you uh, for his glory to advance his kingdom and then use your, your spiritual gifts under the auspices of the local church. So we're going to share these uh, individuals are going to come up. We're going to introduce them to you. Where's Brenda? Brenda James, who was baptized this morning. Come up here, Brenda. Greg and Carrie Hennis, could they come up here? When I see Greg, I always want to reach higher from Ascend FM. He's a runs at the at that radio station. And Chuck, Charles, and Lindley Morton. Charles and Lindley Morton. All right, these folks have decided to become members of Faith Bible Church. And what we'd like to do this morning, uh, we're going to ask them to give a little bit of a speech. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but we'd like to do what we'd like to do is is uh, we end the service this morning. If you uh, just uh, take some time and uh, we'll have them stay up here. If you could come around and just welcome them. It, what we really say is extend the right hand of fellowship to Faith Bible Church. Uh, so you can all come and do that, and after that, we are dismissed. You have a great day and a great week.